This is section 56 of More Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Californian, July 1, 1865. Answers to Correspondents. Read by John Greenman. Young Actor. This gentleman writes as follows. I am desperate. Will you tell me how I can possibly please the newspaper critics? I have labored conscientiously to achieve this ever since I made my debut upon the stage, and I have never yet entirely succeeded in a single instance. Listen, the first night I played after I came among you, I judged by the hearty applause that was frequently showered upon me that I had made a hit, that my audience were satisfied with me, and I was happy accordingly. I only longed to know if I had been as successful with the critics. The first thing I did in the morning was to send for the papers. I read this. Mr. King Lear Macbeth made his first appearance last night before a large and fashionable audience as Lord Blucher in Bilgewater's great tragedy Blood Hair and the Ground Tore Up. In the main his effort may be set down as a success, a very gratifying success. His voice is good his manner easy and graceful, and his enunciation clear and distinct. His conception of the character he personated was good, and his rendition of it almost perfect. This talented young actor will infallibly climb to a dizzy elevation upon the ladder of histrionic fame, but it rests with himself to say whether this shall be accomplished at an early day, or years hence, if the former, then he must at once correct his one great fault, refer to his habit of throwing extraordinary spirit into passages which do not require it, his habit of ranting, to speak plainly. It was this same unfortunate habit which caused him to spoil the noble scene between Lord Blucher and Viscount Cranberry last night, in that portion of the third act where the latter unjustly accuses the former of attempting to seduce his pure and honored grandmother. His rendition of Lord Blucher's observation, Speak, but another syllable, vile, hell-spawned miscreant, and thou diest the death of a terrator, was uttered with undue excitement and unseemly asperity. There was too much rant about it. We trust Mr. Macbeth will consider the hint we have given him. That extract, Mr. Twain, was from the morning thunderbolt. The daily battering ram gave me many compliments, but said that in the great scene referred to above, I gesticulated too wildly and too much, and advised me to be more circumspect in future in these matters. I played the same piece that night, and toned myself down considerably in the matter of ranting and gesticulation. The next morning neither the thunderbolt or the battering-ram gave me credit for it, but the one said my Lord Blucher overdid the pathetic in the scene where his sister died, and the other said I laughed too boisterously in the one where my servant fell in the dryer's vat and came out as green as a meadow in springtime. The daily American earthquake said I was too tame in the great scene with the Viscount. I felt a little discouraged but I made a note of these suggestions and fell to studying harder than ever. That night I toned down my grief and my mirth, 
and worked up my passionate anger and my gesticulation just the least in the world i may remark here that i began to perceive a moderation both in quantity and quality of the applause vouchsafed me by the audience the next morning the papers gave me no credit for my efforts at improvement but the thunderbolt said i was too loving in the scene with my new bride the battering ram said i was not loving enough and the earthquake said it was a masterly performance and never surpassed upon these boards i was checkmated i sat down and considered how i was going to engineer that love scene to suit all the critics until at last i became stupefied with perplexity i then went downtown much dejected and got drunk the next day the battering ram said i was too spiritless in the scene with the viscount and remarked sarcastically that i threatened the viscount's life with a subdued voice and manner eminently suited to conversation in a funeral procession the thunderbolt said my mirth was too mild in the dyer's vat scene and observed that instead of laughing heartily as it was my place to do i smiled as blandly and as guardedly apparently as an undertaker in the cholera season these mortuary comparisons had a very depressing effect upon my spirits and i turned to the earthquake for comfort that authority said lord blucher seemed to take the death of his idolized sister uncommonly easy and suggested with exquisite irony that if i would use a toothpick or pretend to pare my nails in the deathbed scene my attractive indifference would be the perfection of acting i was almost desperate but i went to work earnestly again to apply the newspaper hints to my lord blucher i ranted in the viscount scene this at home in my private apartments to suit the battering ram and then toned down considerably to approach the earthquake standard i worked my grief up strong in the deathbed scene to suit the latter paper and then modified it a good deal to comply with the thunderbolt's hint i laughed boisterously in the dyer's vat scene in accordance with the suggestion of the thunderbolt and then toned down toward the battering ram's notion of excellence that night my audience did not seem to know whether to applaud or not and the result was that they came as near doing neither one thing nor the other as was possible the next morning the semi-monthly literary bosh said my rendition of the character of lord blucher was faultless that it was stamped with the seal of inspiration the thunderbolt said i was an industrious earnest and aspiring young dramatic student but i was possessed of only ordinary merit and could not hope to achieve more than a very moderate degree of success in my profession and added that my engagement was at an end for the present the battering ram said i was a tolerably good stock actor but that the practice of managers in imposing such people as me upon the public as stars was very reprehensible and added that my engagement was at an end for the present the earthquake critic said he had seen worse actors but not much worse and added that my engagement was at an end for the present so much for the newspapers the monthly magazine of literature and art high authority remarked as follows mr king lear macbeth commenced well but the longer he played the worse he played 
his first performance of lord blucher in blood hair and the grand tore up may be entered upon the record as a remarkably fine piece of acting but toward the last he got to making it the most extraordinary exhibition of theatrical lunacy we ever witnessed in the scene with the viscount which calls for sustained vigorous fiery declamation his manner was an incomprehensible mixture of fever heat and zero to borrow the terms of the thermometer in the dyer's vat scene he was alternately torn by spasms of mirth and oppressed by melancholy in the death-bed scene his countenance exhibited profound grief one moment and blank vacancy in the next in the love scene with his bride uh, but why particularize throughout the play he was a mixture a conglomeration's miracle of indecision an aimless purposeless dramatic lunatic in a word his concluding performances of the part of lord blucher were execrable we simply assert this but do not attempt to account for it we know his first performance was excellence itself but how that excellence so soon degenerated into the pitiable exhibition of last night is beyond our ability to determine now mr twain you have the facts in this melancholy case and any suggestion from you as to how i can please these critics will be greatly received i can offer no suggestion young actor except that the ordinary run of newspaper criticism will not do to depend upon if you keep on trying to shape yourself by such models you will go mad eventually several of the critics you mention probably never saw you play an entire act through in their lives and it is possible that the balance were no more competent to decide upon the merits of a dramatic performance than of a sermon do you note how unconcernedly and how pitilessly they lash you as soon as your engagement is ended sometimes those criticisms are written and in type before the curtain rises don't you remember that the new york herald once came out with a column of criticism upon edwin forrest's hamlet when unfortunately the bill had been changed at the last moment and mr forrest played othello instead of the play criticized and only lately didn't the same paper publish an elaborate imaginary description of the funeral ceremonies of the late jacob little unaware that the obsequies had been postponed for twenty-four hours it is vastly funny your working yourself up to suit the thunderbolt and toning yourself down to suit the battering ram and doing all sorts of similarly absurd things to please a lot of critics who had probably never seen you play at all but who threw in a pinch of instruction or censure among their praise merely to give their notices a candid impartial air don't bother yourself any more in that way pay no attention to the papers but watch the audience a silent crowd is damning censure good hearty enthusiastic applause is a sure sign of able acting it seems you played well at first i think you had better go back and start over again at the point where you began to instruct yourself from the newspapers i have often wondered myself when reading critiques in the papers what would become of an actor if he tried to follow all the fearfully conflicting advice they contained mary rincon school sends a dainty little note 
the contents whereof i take pleasure in printing as follows suppressing of course certain expressions of kindness and encouragement which she intended for my eye alone please spell and define gooehillikens for me gwillikens is an ejaculation or exclamation and expresses surprise astonishment amazement delight admiration disappointment deprecation disgust sudden conviction incredulity joy sorrow while it is capable of expressing pretty nearly any abrupt emotion that flashes through one's heart for instance i say to jones old grimes is dead jones knowing old grimes was in good health the last time he heard from him is surprised and he naturally exclaims gee willikins is that so in this case the word simply expresses surprise mixed with neither joy nor sorrow grimes affairs being nothing to jones i meet morgan and i say well i saw johnson and he refuses to pay that bill johnson exclaims gee willikins is that so in this case the word expresses astonishment and disappointment together with a considerable degree of irritation i meet young yank and i observe the country is safe now peace is declared yank swings his hat and shouts gee willikins is that so which expresses surprise and extreme delight i stumble on thompson and remark there was a tornado in washoe yesterday which picked up a church in virginia and blew it to reed station on the carson river eighteen miles away thompson says gee willikins with a falling inflection and strong emphasis on that portion of the word which i have italicized thus with discriminating judgment imbuing the phrase with the nicest shades of amazement wonder and mild incredulity stevens who's carrying home some eggs in his hind coat pocket sits down on them and mashes them exclaiming as he rises gingerly exploring the mucilaginous locality of his misfortune with his hand gee willikins with strong emphasis and falling inflection on the first syllable and falling inflection on the last syllable also thus expressing an extremity of grief and unmitigated disgust which no other word in our whole language is capable of conveying that will do i suppose you cannot help understanding my definition now and neither will you fail to appreciate the extraordinary comprehensiveness of the word we will now consider its orthography you perceive that i spell it with two e's and two l's which i think is the proper method though i confess the matter is open to argument different people spell it in different ways let us give a few examples the horse reared up with a furious neigh and over the hills he scoured away mazeppa closed his despairing eye and murmured alas and must i die gee willikins byron's mazeppa sir hilary charged at agincourt sooth twas an awful day and though in that old age of sport the mufflers of the camp and court had little time to pray to said sir hilary muttered there four syllables by way of prayer gee willikins winthrop mcworth prayed if the gold hill news or the american flag say the above excerpts are misquotations pay no attention to them they are anything but good authority in matters of this kind 
the flag does not spell the word we are speaking of properly either in my opinion i have in my mind a communication which i remember having seen in that paper the morning the result of the presidential election was made known it possessed something of an exulting tone and was addressed to a heavy gun among the copperheads the editor of the late democratic press i think and read as follows beria brown esq dear sir how are you now yours truly g period willikins you will have to accept my definition mary for want of a better as far as the spelling is concerned you must choose between mr praed and myself on the one hand and lord byron and the american flag on the other bearing in mind that the two last named authorities disagree and that neither of them ever knew much about the matter in dispute anyhow anxiety s f need have no fear of general halleck there is no truth in the report that he will compel approaching maternity to take the oath of allegiance golden era another impenetrable conundrum or to speak more properly another fathomless riddle i shall have to refer to webster approaching present participle drawing near advancing toward maternity noun the character or relation of a mother consequently approaching maternity means the condition of being about to become a mother and according to the profound the deep the bottomless expounder who instructs anxiety in my text general halleck will not compel that condition to take the oath of allegiance any numbskull could have told that because how can an insensible impalpable invisible condition take an oath that expounder comes as near being a condition as anybody no doubt but still he cannot take an oath in his character as a condition he must take it simply in his character as a man none but human beings can take the oath of allegiance under our constitution but didn't you mean that women in the said condition would not be required to take the oath merely because they happen to be in that condition or didn't you mean that the woman wouldn't have to take it on behalf of her forthcoming progeny or didn't you mean that the forthcoming progeny wouldn't be required to take it itself either before or immediately after it was born or what in the very mischief did you mean what were you driving at what were you trying to ferry across the trackless ocean of your intellect now you had better stop this sort of thing because it is becoming a very serious matter if you keep it up you will eventually get some of your subscribers so tangled up that they will seek relief from their troubles and perplexities in the grave of suicide mark twain twas a burning shame to misquote burns the wretch who deliberately substituted italic for the original would we verily believe enjoy martyrdom previous thereto his eyes should be stuck full of exclamation points golden era are you wool gathering or is it i i have read that paragraph fourteen or fifteen times very slowly and carefully but i can't see that it means anything does the point lie in a darkly suggested pun upon original wood original wood or in the exclamation points or in the bad grammar of the last sentence 
or in come now explain your ingenious little riddle and don't go on badgering and bullyragging people in this mysterious way golden hill news this old scoundrel calls me an old humbug from dutch nicks now this is not fair it is highly improper for gentlemen of the press to descend to personalities and i never permit myself to do it however as this abandoned outcast evidently meant his remark as complimentary i take pleasure in so receiving it in consideration of the fact that the fervent cordiality of his language fully makes up for its want of elegance end of the californian july first eighteen sixty five read by john greenman